Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And we're here with a special bonus episode, a little lunch break getaway for our listeners. Today, we are joined by none other than Dan LaMagna. That's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Great to be here, man. I'm not used to talking to you at lunch hour here, but a good lunch break. And, you know, another opportunity is you bring on another guest here that. You know, we follow him on Twitter. It pumps out great content, and I actually get to meet him in person. So I'm stoked, man. Let's get this going. Guys, we have another great show for you today. But you know what else is great? Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. I know it's a little uncomfortable and kind of awkward to talk about, but let's be honest. We have all had close calls when doing a little manscaping. The only cuts we want to happen or the players being cut from our dynasty rosters. Luckily, all that danger, it's a thing of the past. And that's exactly why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer and just released the Lawnmower 3.0. It's perfectly engineered, long battery life up to 90 minutes, water resistant, it has an LED light, and it's also super quiet. Of course, Manscaped is known for the below the belt grooming, but it doesn't stop there. Use it for a haircut or just to clean up that unruly chest hair. Guys, make your significant other happy and keep things nice and clean down there. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using code Theory20 at Manscaped.com. Again, that's code Theory20 for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. I was very excited. I I reached out to our guest over the weekend and I was like, you know, if, if he responds, great. But if not, that's okay too. Today... We are being joined by the lead NFL writer and analyst at Fantasy Pros and the co-host of the Fantasy Pros football podcast, Mike Tagliere, and that's at Mike Tagliere NFL on Twitter. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. What's going on today? No, of course, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's always good to, to talk football when we have the, the chance to, and thank you guys for aligning with the schedule. And Dan, I could really appreciate where you're coming from, man. I uh, Before I was doing football full-time, I remember I worked for J.P. Morgan, and I, I, I literally brought my laptop and my, my mic to my car, and I recorded on lunch if I had to. I would take vacation days if I had to. So yeah, I appreciate the grind, guys, and uh, thanks for making it work. Well, I, I hope our third co-host here, Mitch Sorensen, heard that story right there, Tags, because <laughs> he always says, guys, you know, I got to go into the office. I can't I can't record during the day. Mitch, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are from now on, we expect you to bring your laptop and mic to the, the office. And then when we have a show, you can break away. But like I said, thank you so much for joining us. And we want to get into it. We don't want to waste any time today to kick it off. Obviously, we're all in the Scott Fishbowl 10, and it is such a fantastic event And especially with everything going on in the world, you know, it's focused on fun and charity and all the good that comes with it. But I want to talk to you, Mike, real quick. What strategy did you have going in? Because it's a very unique scoring format. And then I think more importantly, were you actually able to stick to that strategy? Because I know a lot of people, they go in with a strategy and then it's like, eh, but I kind of just completely winged it. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I'm really a guy that never goes into a draft with any strategy in mind. I'm kind of fluid with the draft and I, I want to see how it plays out, especially in a format like a two quarterback format, uh, because there's some leagues you'll do. And, you know, if it's two quarterback format, you'll see, you know, nine quarterbacks come off the, the board and then the first two rounds. And you're like, wow, should I be reaching for a quarterback? Because you don't want to be stuck with guys in a two quarterback format where you're you're starting maybe like a Derek Carr who could lose his job to Marcus Mariota. You're starting maybe like a Nick Foles or a Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. Those are guys that could lose their starting jobs as the season progresses uh so you kind of have to adapt and be fluid uh in terms of like what's happening and i had the 101 pick which it, it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse right like you, the blessing is you get christian mccaffrey uh the curse is that you have to kind of pre- uh, predict where those where those tiers are going to go and you know when quarterbacks are going to fly off the board and sometimes you have to reach for players but Overall, I was really, really happy with the way that the Scott Fishbowl turned out for me. Uh, I actually contemplated taking Patrick Mahomes 101, uh, but I felt like, you know, I have no idea what running backs are going to be there at the at the 2-3 turn. So I'll take my chances at quarterback. And fortunately, I got the, the number three quarterback for this scoring setting. Uh, Russell Wilson was my number three quarterback in the format. So I got him at the turn uh, with Devontae Adams, where... I didn't see any scenario that Devontae Adams would fall to me at the two, three turn, but I'm happy he did. And, uh, you know, going through the draft, I, I kind of was waiting for people to start taking quarterbacks at a more rapid pace. So it got back to me at four or five. And, you know, at that time, I think there were only maybe 11 quarterbacks off the board. So I was more than comfortable waiting as a, for a quarterback at that point. And, uh, I mean, when I look at that team, when I look back at my Scott Fishbowl team, it kind of makes me sad because I'm, I'm psyched about it. And I, I feel like I have tons of upside on the bench, especially at wide receiver. Uh, at the Like, you know, you, you ever have those teams where you look back and say, I love this team preseason. And then you get into the season, you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, it's typically <laughs> the ones that you don't like that turn out the best because you just kind of took value that was presented to you instead of the players that you really liked. But uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty proud of the, the roster I put together in that league. Mike, if there's one guy on that roster later on, I, you know, doing a lot of mock drafts, I saw, you know, a lot of roster constructions with that 101 look pretty sweet. What, do you, what would you say is going to separate your roster maybe from some of those other 101 constructions? I mean, having a, a good mix of stability and upside, because in a tournament like this, it was weird because I got to the four or five turn and I, I took Juju and that's perfectly fine for me. Uh, I like Juju Smith-Schuster quite a bit this year, but I also took Le'Veon Bell and I it was a very unsexy pick and it, it was a pick that I took. Uh, he was the 22nd running back off the board. I felt like the value was too good to pass. And I talked this over with my fantasy pros brethren, you know, Dan Harris was telling me that he, he made it to the finals one year for the Scott fishbowl. And he's like, Mike, I think you'd be shocked at, at just how boring my roster was because everybody thinks that they need to do crazy things to win this tournament. And I was kind of of that mindset to say, you kind of have to reach for your guys because otherwise someone else is going to have that similar team. He's like, I think too many people think about that. Too many people overweight the tight end premium. Uh, he's like, just draft the roster you think. So you need a stability. You need you need some safe players like a Le'Veon Bell who may not set the world on fire, and he's not going to finish as a top five running back playing for Adam Gase. But at the same time, he he presents some stability in my lineup where I have the upside later on uh, in guys like, you know, in stability with Tariq Cohen too. Tariq Cohen is a very stable option. Again, not going to be a top five running back, but I do have confidence that he's going to be a top 30 running back play this year. Uh, and then going through the wide receivers, finding those guys on your bench, like, you know, taking a Will Fuller, Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, uh, Anthony Miller, John Ross. 
I love these guys. And even going down to my pick before the last, Jalen Hurd is a guy that, you know, we talk about Debo Samuel and nobody wants to draft Debo Samuel right now. And I get it. I really do because we've been through things like this with AJ Green last year where we expect him to come back, but there's really no guarantee. Uh, Jalen Hurd is the only guy on that offense that I think can play that Debo Samuel role because Jalen Hurd used to play running back in college and, uh, you know, giving him a few handoffs a game, getting him involved, like making yards after the catch. Jalen Hurd is a sleeper, uh, a guy that, you know, I, I think not enough people are talking about, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I think they play the Cardinals in week one. So uh, that should be a an interesting DFS, uh, you know, dart throw. The biggest takeaway that, that I got there, Mike, when you were breaking down your roster, is that everybody else, we should just pack our bags because it sounds like you have a fantastic foundation. <laughs> and the fact that you took Le'Veon Bell, you, you said a little later, what was that, a 4-5? Yeah, it was the top of the fifth round, yeah. And I got him, I believe it was the fifth round as well. Yeah. So I feel even more comfortable and better about my selection. <laughs> now, despite feeling good about your team, and and you know, hopefully we all feel good about our teams, what's one thing looking back at it that you would have done differently? You know, you see the way that your draft played out and assuming it all would have been the same, which obviously that's kind of unrealistic. Right. But what's one thing that you might have done differently seeing how it played out? Oh, I mean, I may have taken a, a another tight end earlier because I do like Hayden Hurst a lot, and I took him as the the ninth tight end off the board. I know his ADP is tight end thirteen or whatever it is, but uh, he's a guy that legitimately has top five upside this year in Austin Hooper's former role. Uh, they never replaced Mohamed Sanu in this offense, you know. So unless you believe that someone like Russell Gage is going to walk into a hundred targets, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst should both be like much better than expected this year. So. I, but at the same time, I should have had a better backup plan because my backup tight end, I didn't take. I mean, I'm happy I got OJ Howard as the 27th tight end off the board uh, because I feel like the upside, it, it's just not built into that price. But I would have loved to have gotten someone like TJ Hawkinson uh, as my tight end, too, uh, especially with the tight end format, the, the scoring that it is. Again, I do think people overvalue tight ends in this format outside of guys like the top tier guys because. Tight ends are just inconsistent. A lot of them are very touchdown reliant. It's very rare to find a tight end who's consistently going to get four or five receptions per game. Uh, so again, reaching for guys beyond the, the Kittles, the Kelseys, the, the Zach Ertz is like, I just think people are going to be a little bit let down by those players. And especially with how volatile the tight end position is, we all know that the running back position is extremely volatile. But when you look at tight ends, there's possibly just as many injuries across the board on a year in and year out basis. Mike, we're going to get right into your article and you've done a fantastic series. And I think that's three fantastics. And we had one listener. <laughs> they said they were going to give an over under because apparently I say absolutely and fantastic a lot. And I, I think we have a few listeners that were doing an over under bet. So right there we're at three, but one of your recent articles in your series it's at what age do wide receivers decline? Now, us being dynasty theory, we focus a lot about the long term and the dynasty perspective. But what were some of your findings when really doing your research and going through everything for this article? Yeah, I mean, I what I've done this article now for I think this is the third or the fourth year I've done it. Um, it's just it gets more traction as the time goes on because fantasy pros, the content side, when I joined, there was no there was almost no content and we're just building that up year over year. Um, so people finding it now, I'm happy because there's been a general consensus around the dynasty format. You know, when a wide receiver gets to 28, it's all downhill from there. 
and it's not. It, I, I would actually say from my findings for wide receiver one upside, you have a, a better chance. 29 to 31 is like a wide receiver's prime. I mean, you could say 28 is in there too, uh, but basically saying that you don't have to worry about a wide receiver until he gets to like 32, 33. And even then those guys perform as wide receiver twos, wide receivers threes, like rather consistently. So when you pass on like in a, in a dynasty format, like you guys cover, a lot of people are willing to move on. And like, I see Julio Jones going outside the top two, three rounds sometimes in startup dynasty drafts. And I'm like, guys, we talk about it all the time as dynasty players. We say, don't play beyond two or three years. So if we know that Julio Jones is still producing and that he's going to produce for as a wide receiver two for at least a wide receiver two, take him, go for that championship run. Because again, people undervalue veteran wide receivers and uh, going through this chart really helps solidify that. And some people wanted to point out and say, well, you know, obviously, you know, if someone's playing at 31, they're a really good football player and that's going to skew the percentages. I, I, I understand that. And that's why I put a, uh, kind of like a, a line we had to draw and say every player that's involved in this study had to get at least 50 targets, because if you're not getting 50 targets, you're not going to, you're someone that maybe may like maybe just made the roster bubble. Don't have a big role wide receiver four, whatever. A lot of wide receiver threes don't even get more than 50 targets. So, uh, I, I wanted to make that a baseline to say everybody had to get at least 50 targets. So I tried to even that out and I do understand, but at the same time, I wanted to show what the actual percentages of 30, 31 year old wide receivers are finishing as wide receiver ones when they get those 50 plus targets. So um, it's just that. So the basic, the overall principle is that don't undervalue veteran wide receivers, especially if they're 29 to 31 years old. When reading your article, I did notice that you pointed that out and it's kind of, I feel like whether it's articles podcast, whatever it is, anybody that's listening or consuming that content, they always say, yeah, but, and I love the way that you pointed that out and kind of got ahead of that. Hey, there's a minimum threshold. This is what I used. And even though, like you said, players that are 30, 31, if they're still a, a top end asset, they are probably a superstar, but I really like how you put that minimum threshold on there and got out ahead of that. Now you mentioned Julio Jones. Let's leave him out of this because I think that's the obvious answer here. Who are maybe two or three of your top older, and I use the air quotes here, yeah. wide receivers that really could have productive, let's say, next two years, and we can exploit that for dynasty purposes? Yeah, A.J. Green is someone that I, I don't know why everyone's given up on him, and I understand he's dealt with some injuries over the last couple of years, uh, and, and it's unfortunate, but don't forget about a player that whenever he's on the field, he's been a wide receiver one. Uh, like, you break down the percentages of games played and say, uh, you look at the best wide receivers. I I, I did a poll on Twitter uh, not too long ago asking, who are, if you were to grab you know three wide receivers from since 2000, grab any three wide receivers to start any random week. We just pull one random week from their career and we put it in. Who's most likely to give you a wide receiver one performance? AJ Green is in the top 10 uh, since 2000. Uh, if you go to wide receiver two or better performances, he's actually even higher. AJ Green has been so consistent when he's on the field. The issue has been staying on the field and, and that's baked into his cost right now. But people talk about him like he's old, like you got to forget about him. People are still drafting Julio Jones as a, as a top five wide receiver, but AJ Green is going as the as the as the wide receiver twenty eight, I think, right now in uh, redraft leagues. I'm dynasty. He's basically forgotten about. 
but AJ Green is a guy who all of a sudden he's playing for the most creative play caller that he's ever played for. He's playing with the, the best quarterback that he's ever played for. He's playing uh, among other wide receivers that are extremely talented. Tyler Boyd over the middle of the field presents a threat. John Ross, I still think John Ross is the star, is the number three receiver in that offense. T Higgins is more of like a an AJ Green replacement. So if you have John Ross breaking the top off the defense, you have Tyler Boyd, who's a possession style receiver over the middle of the field. You have Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. AJ Green is no longer a guy that teams like necessarily fear, even though I I do think if I'm a defensive coordinator, he's the one player we got to slow down. But Joe Burrow is someone I like an awful lot. So um, AJ Green is someone I'm willing to bet on this year, uh, you know, especially at his cost. If I had to pay wide receiver 15 cost, yeah, there's a bit more risk built in, but getting that wide receiver 28 is is bananas. other players like Robert Woods, he's a guy that's 28 years old now, getting a little bit older. Uh, he's just one of the safer receivers out there. And again, this goes back to the way you draft. And if you would rather, if you're looking for the sexy upside pick, or if you're looking for the safe guy that you know is going to finish as a top 24 receiver, Robert Woods is going to finish top 24. He may not give you top 10 upside because he's never scored more than six touchdowns in a season. Uh, but he is very, very safe, even though he is getting older. Uh, and then another one is Marvin Jones. I don't think people realize that when Marvin Jones and and Kenny Galladay have been on the field, Marvin Jones has been targeted just as much as Kenny Galladay. Galladay has been getting the bigger plays, might offer a little bit more touchdown upside. But again, Marvin Jones isn't isn't shabby himself. And as a guy that can be had as like the wide receiver 40, 45 range compared to Galladay, who's going as like a top eight wide receiver, I'll take the discount on Marvin Jones, a guy who's, again, he's in a contract year. I think he's 31, 30, 31 years old now. Uh, So those are guys that, they're not sexy anymore. They're not going to finish as top 10 wide receivers, but uh, taking them as, as a, like, a, especially AJ Green and Robert Woods, those guys are wide receiver twos at minimum. And then Mar- Marvin Jones is as good as any wide receiver three that you can find. Especially in dynasty leagues, Marvin Jones, and just like AJ Green, they're essentially free. Yes. And they're going to give you that upside and the potential to have those boom weeks whenever they're healthy, just like you mentioned. Now, Dan, we have a listener comment in here that somebody they, they're pulling out their notepad, and I hope you're pulling out your notepad because, Mike, Dan is one of the biggest dynasty ages that I know. So <laughs> I'm hoping that he's you're really paying attention here, Dan. What are your thoughts on all of this this information related to these, you know, over the hill wide receivers? You could tell Mike's definitely zeroed in on some nice target guys. Um, you, you know, John does know me well. There's a little bit of age discrimination in my uh, dynasty rosters. I like to trade my draft capital and, and but still build around, around a younger team. Yeah. But I have found myself, you know, anchoring the team with some of these veterans, you know, trading some draft capital to try to get an advantage in the league and get somebody that's, you know, should demand more than uh, he is. So there's just one name I would ask you about tags that hopefully you can make me feel a little bit about, you know, I like you mentioned Julio, AJ Green, Marvin Jones. They've been finding their way on my my rosters. But one guy I'm missing, and I'm hoping here, is T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. is probably on about 50% of my dynasty rosters. I know there's been some health concerns. I'm hoping that Colts receiving core is a little bit deeper to take a little bit of pressure off him and get him through a season. What's your thoughts on T.Y.? Yeah, T.Y. was someone I debated actually talking about, uh, throwing in that list of wide receivers that we just did. Uh, it, the question is, Philip Rivers, who's he going to lean towards? Because you, yes, it's Frank Reich's offense, but at the same time, we have now two second round picks that the Colts have spent on Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell is essentially a bigger, faster version of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I know nobody really wants to hear that, but I think that he was drafted as the Hilton replacement eventually. 
The reason that I worry about Hilton a little bit is because under Frank Reich, he has not moved into the slot as much as he used to. Uh, he used to be in the slot over half the time, uh, but now I think it's uh, around 30, 31% over the last two years. So therefore he has to win on the perimeter. Therefore he's going to see the top tier cornerbacks that he, they're going up against. Fortunately, you know, Houston doesn't have any cornerbacks. Jags don't have any, like there's a lot of things that are going on that I think T.Y. Hilton can overcome. But when you look at the the, the career arc of Phillip Rivers and you look at the receivers that he supported, you look at guys like going back to Vincent Jackson, a 6'4", 220-pound receiver. Uh, that's basically the Michael Pittman now. You have a lot of tight ends. We still have Jack Doyle there. I know they signed Trey Burton to be that move tight end. Uh, we have Paris Campbell, again, who's a, a guy who's going to be playing a lot of slot snaps uh, in, 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 in place of Chester Rogers. So if that's the case, we look at Rivers and we talk, we go back to Eddie Royal in the slot. Then we go to Keenan Allen in the slot. We go to the tight ends. And then we look at a player like like Travis Benjamin, who wasn't targeted nearly as much as those guys. I'm not saying T.Y. Hilton's that guy. He's definitely better than them. Uh, but you have to worry about the injuries piling up. He is getting up their age a little bit. Obviously, a new quarterback. Uh, the surrounding talent is just getting so good. But I again, I think T.Y. Hilton is going to turn out to be a value in drafts. I have him ranked as my number 28, 29 receiver, I, th I believe. Uh, 26, I just looked. Uh, 26 wide receiver this year. So I'm clearly not crazy down on him. But if there's any worrying part, like the reason that he's falling down in ADP is because of those question marks that are around him. But again, as a proven receiver, a proven bet, we haven't seen anything from Pittman or Campbell to suggest that they can play at the level that T.Y. Hilton has for the majority of his career. Good breakdown. I'll, I'll tamper my expectations here, but still remain hope, hopeful. There you go. Now, before we transition to kind of our closing segment here, one question I want to bring up, Mike. Now, obviously, you've done the research and you, you've been able to see that 28 is not necessarily a death sentence for wide receivers. Yep. And there is life after that. But what are your thoughts, again, looking at it with our dynasty hats on? I think the big concern for a lot of dynasty owners is, yeah, there might be production, but you're pretty much going to have to ride these players into the ground and you're never going to get the return necessary if you have to enter a rebuild and you're looking to move them. So what are your thoughts and what would you say to somebody that says, yeah, that's great information, Mike, but I want to get out ahead. Right. You know, I, I want to be one year early rather than one year late. Well, then so if you if you want to be one year early, you're trading them at 30, 31. And therefore, you're not going to get the value anyways, because a lot of people in Dynasty automatically say that, oh, that, that receiver's past their prime when they're really not. Uh, so basically, I just don't trade them. Uh, there's a I, there's one team of the all, of all the teams that I run Dynasty Leagues with. There's one that I shared with another owner and I hate it. Um, because, because he basically wants to trade away the veterans like AJ Green. We have AJ Green in the roster and he's like, I want to trade him. I'm like, trade him for what? And he's like, I don't know if we get like a middle second round pick or something like that. I'm like, I don't want that. Like I've gone through and I've done studies. What are dynasty draft picks worth? And right. because these are questions that everybody wants answered, but it's, it's difficult to put together the research to do it. Fortunately, fantasy pros allows me to do these things and spend like countless hours in these spreadsheets to, to figure out what exactly does that mean? So I do, uh, I do uh, a sheet every, like a, an article series every year. It's called boom bust and everything in between. And what that article does is it goes through the players games and, Rather than saying this player finishes the wide receiver 15 this year, that doesn't make them a wide receiver two. That doesn't mean that they should be drafted as a wide receiver two. I go through their game logs and I find out just how often they they delivered a wide receiver two performance, wide receiver three, wide receiver one, whatever. Like Jarvis Landry, for example, he finished as a top 15 wide receiver last year. He was a wide receiver two or better just like 31% of the time. Like he right. was not a very consistent receiver. You were not relying on him as a wide receiver too. So I went through and I, I have career numbers for all these players. So what I did, I've gone over the last 10 years. I think it's like up to 12 years now. I have of rookie picks accumulated and I go through and I take their ADP and I put it down the sheet. 
and I tell you what to expect. So the average top three, if you have a top three pick and use it on a running back, this is what you should expect. And this is the career arc, basically what you can expect from that player. And I go through it and people are shocked to find out just how worthless second round picks are in, in, in dynasty drafts. Sure, you can hit on players. You can find players. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster fell into the second round in a lot of drafts for whatever reason. Uh, his season, you can find those values, but the odds, we have to play what's the most likely scenario. And the most likely scenario is that you have yourself a guy like Danny Amendola. And that's, that's what does that do for your fantasy team? I'm not trading AJ Green, who I think still has a good two years left in him. We, he could go to Green Bay next year. We could see him paired up with Aaron Rodgers. Like, we, we don't know where he's going to go. Um, I'm unwilling to deal those players unless I get something valuable in return. And again, dynasty owners don't want to do that, especially when a, a wide receiver has turned 30 years old. Uh, so I am going to hang on to those players. I, I will ride them until they die. I am okay with that. Uh, like Julio Jones, he'll be on my dynasty roster until he dies, uh, until he drops out of the league. Because again, people just under, they, they, they go too far in the other direction. I understand wanting to rebuild, but... In fantasy football, I don't think you're ever out of it. I think that you can laugh at teams that their draft was so terrible. Like Robert Woods, just a couple of years ago in Buffalo, he was left for dead. Nobody wanted him in Dynasty. If someone drafted him because they liked his talent and then he was he went to Sean McVay, all of a sudden they have a wide receiver too. And it's like you start putting your pieces together and finding things. And I don't. the only time I think that you should give up on a Dynasty season is if you are halfway through the year and you're one and seven, you're, you're one and six, and you realize, okay, I'm not going to win it this year. Who's somebody that will overpay for one of my veterans because they're in it to win it this year? That's when I trade away veterans. I do it in the middle of the season, but in the off season, it's the worst thing. It's the worst idea ever because people constantly, constantly overvalue draft picks. And especially this off season, I think we're seeing it more than ever yes. because there's so much uncertainty with this 2020 season. So if you have a, let, let's just stick with Julio Jones because we've been talking about him. Nobody's willing to trade anything of value because, oh, well, if we don't have a season, he's now one year older yep. and it is really difficult to get the return that's necessary to move on from those guys. So I, again, I, I think that's fantastic information for our listeners. So let's transition here to our closing segment, what we're going to do, I call it rapid fire, Mike, but if you want to spend a few seconds here or there discussing and, and giving your rationale behind it, be my guest because <laughs> Dan will tell you, again, I call it rapid fire, but I'll spend two minutes on a take and it's like, it's not that rapid. But <laughs> yeah, I got so it. We're going to run through three different player comparisons and we're going to go off of the Fantasy Pros expert consensus rankings for Dynasty. And just like you mentioned in your article a few times that the perceived drop off is age 28. So that's the veteran age that we're going to use here. And we're going to compare them to three younger wide receivers. And I just want to know who you would rather have. So for all three of these, Mike, we'll start with you. And then Dan, even though you are quite the ageist, I'm going to let you uh, give a <laughs> go for all there. three of these. Right, right. So Mike, the first one, and there's a lot of talk about this guy being a sell based on some different things, but DeAndre Hopkins or DJ Moore, who do you prefer in dynasty? Hopkins, hundred percent, not even close. I'm with Dan? Hopkins there. I agree. Okay. All right. Keenan Allen or Jerry Judy. Judy. Uh, Keenan Allen's stuck in such a bad situation. Like I like veteran receivers, but okay. Tyrod Taylor's never thrown the ball more than 437 times. He's never thrown more than 20 touchdowns. Justin Herbert plays scared. They don't have an offensive line there. I am so worried about Ke Keenan Allen is a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL, but I will have zero, zero sh shares of him in redraft. Like I have him as like my wide receiver 28 or 29 this year. Um, unfortunately, he's just in a bad spot, man. A uh, bad spot. So uh, yeah, this one's easy. Jerry Judy. 
That was anything but a glowing endorsement there for Keenan Allen in his situation. Yeah. Dan, are you sticking with Mike here? Are you going to go Jerry Judy? I'm, I'm ready to crawl under my desk now after all that conviction that Mike had there. You know, And, and, and I did take Keenan in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, and I love Judy. We know that going into the draft. He was my, my number one. I love the talent. Um, and I, I do believe in Drew Locke, too. And I definitely get the argument with with Tyrod. I do think they, you know, transition to Herbert at some. And you got to pick when I feel like you're oh, in between here. And this is I, dynasty, right? Like we're talking dynasty. Yeah. So I, I wanted to make sure in redraft, I'll still take Keenan Allen because Judy's going to work his way into a role with this shortened off season. But I have, so I, I don't know if you guys know. I'm like a big Jared. I I've of all the wide receivers I've ever scouted coming in the NFL, and it's been I think six years now where I've been scouting them. Um, Judy is the most complete prospect I think I've ever in terms of like what he. He's good. He's really good. I have him as a top 20, uh, I, mean, I think 16 in Dynasty among wide receivers. I, I love Jerry Judy. So, Dan, still, which one are you going with? I want to win now. I'm, not, I'm still just going to gut it out with Keenan here. <laughs> All right. And that surprised me because you are the Dynasty theory, the resident ageist here. All right, last one. Robert Woods or Jalen Rager? I'm going to say Robert Woods. I'll stay with Woods on that one. I like Rager a lot, and I thought his combine was a little bit overhyped in terms of like what, how far dragged down his stock. I think he's a good football player, um, but there's still some question marks. Uh, we have never seen him play in the NFL, uh, and I, I don't want to say that he's a complete, as complete a prospect as I thought Jerry Judy was. So knowing we've never seen him play and that we have another good you know, four years of Robert Woods uh, and how important he is to that Sean McVay offense, yeah, I'll take Woods. Dan? I concur there. I think there's some prime years left in Woods and a lot more certainty in it. And I can't take a Philadelphia Eagle. So let's go Robert Woods. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think Dak behind you, he would be very upset if you chose to go with Jalen. I mean, Dak regular. might not be there. I mean, we'll see. He's going to be there. He's going to. Mike, this has been a conversation in all of our group chats and our Dynasty Theory Listener League. We love to give Dan a hard time and he gets so riled up <laughs> talking about his Cowboys. And Dan, what's the word we use for your Cowboys? Dysfunction. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little hurt that they're displaying this dysfunction. It's like every window they had that was a good one to sign Dak, they just keep letting pass. And you know, I'm trying to look at the glass half full, but it's getting a little harder. I'm getting a little nervous, gentlemen. You know what's crazy, though, Dan? I'm looking behind you, and obviously you have the Rocky posters, which I fully endorse. Love Rocky, but that's a Philly thing. Um, what's happening there? It, it, it bothers me that Rocky has been so, such, you know – associated with the Philadelphia football brand and, and Stallone has worn some Eagles shirts. So you, you, you probably are going to win the, the debate with me there, but yeah. I'm trying to filter out the Eagles and just letting it be a Rocky thing. Nice. All right, Mike, and, and I'm going to hit the over here, but this was an absolute blast having you on and just the information and the, the insight you're able to provide. I think it's extremely beneficial to our listeners and everybody within the fantasy community. And I want to give you a shout out too, because you're nothing but, especially on social media in today's world where it's so easy to be negative. I have seen nothing but positive things coming from you, whether it's social media, podcast appearances, but I, I want to give you, you know, props to that. No, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, my wife, she keeps me grounded. I talk to her about a lot of things, but we, she always talks about like what you put out is what you get back. And if you put out negative energy, you're going to get negative energy and you're going to attract negative people. I don't want to do that. You know, there's a lot of things that are in the world right now that aren't ideal uh, for sure, but we have to choose what role we're going to play in that. And are, are we going to continually be negative and, and, and go about that? No, no, we have to accept the good things in life and understand that we're lucky to be here recording a podcast right now. I'm lucky to have the job that I do. Um, there's a lot of things to be thankful for. And I think if everybody would just stop for a moment and just say, Hey, you know, like, just, let's just be better people. Um, Sigmund Bloom, I was on his podcast yesterday yep. and uh, he gave me advice that I told him, I'm going to tell people this, like for the rest of my life, I hope he knows that. And he said that the world we're living in, he's like, the story's already told, you know, the story is going to be told no matter what. 
it's up to us. Like we're playing in, we're, we're, we're basically in a, a role in that movie. We choose what role that we play in that movie. Do you want to be the villain? Do you want to be the one that attacks the negative energy? Do you want to, or do you want to be the light? And, uh, so yeah, my, my wife, I want to give her credit to, to keeping me like my, the light shining and saying, just put that positive energy out there. And, um, I want to be a good guy in, in that story. So I, I appreciate that guys. Absolutely. And with with this being a movie, I wish we could hit the fast forward button on 2020 for crying out loud. It hasn't been ideal. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird time to be alive for so many reasons. Um, and even, you know, talking about like the NFL and where it's headed and, you know, what could happen if there is no college season, you know, or if they push it back to the spring. And, and you know, if I'm a college prospect at that point, and, and I'm going to be a high draft pick. I know that I'm not playing. And and I know that's frowned upon by some people like you play for your college, yada, yada. But you have to think about your livelihood. Um, and then the NFL, if the, if the NFL season gets cut short, how do they handle the NFL draft? Because can you imagine a situation where the, the, the Bengals had the number one pick again? And it's like we have yep. Joe Burrow. Trevor Lawrence is worth a whole lot. Um, all of a sudden, that franchise is going to have multiple first round picks for the next few years. And is that fair? No, it's not. Uh, so I think the NFL is in a, in a weird spot. But I do think that the season's going to going to go on i think there's so much involved from not just a football standpoint for us but a money standpoint from so many people there's a lot that goes into the nfl and even if there's no fans in the stands we, we just hope there's a season because if not i think we're all going to lose our our minds as if our listeners do not know please let them know where to find you on social media and then you're pumping out amazing content pretty much on a daily basis so let them know what else you might be working on throughout the rest of the off season. Yeah, I mean, so you can find all my content at fantasypros.com. Um, I, I the the one article I ask you guys to like to to take in is uh is the primer. I, I write that every week during the regular season, and uh, basically it's an article where I I talk about every single player from every game. I write a paragraph literally on every single player, so that therefore it makes your life easier to understand. We're not always going to be right in terms of who we recommend, but to understand the process that goes into it, that's the important part. Um, so it's like thirty thousand words I write every single week on that. Um, that's my heart and soul. That's like, that's time away from the family, but I do it because you guys keep consuming it. Um, find me on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL on Instagram, Mike Taglier. I, I try and answer as many questions as I can in the off season during the season. It gets a lot tougher because again, I'm writing that piece, uh, where I hopefully answer every single question you have, but, um, I really do appreciate you guys having me on and, um, you know, crediting the, the, the articles I write and stuff that it means a lot. So I thank you guys. Well, we, again, thank you for coming on. And Dan, it's time for your favorite segment to wrap it up. Final thoughts. One-two punch here. You know, I know we had some technical difficulties at the Scott Fishbowl point there. I'm hoping my uh, Dak Cooper stack in the first and fourth rounds with the, you know, solid Eckler, Aaron Jones in between and uh, rolling on Cam Newton in the fifth there gives me a nice core. And Mike, you had some good takes there. I think you mentioned O.J. Howard, Will Fuller, uh, some guys that, you know, have some upside later on. Uh, Jalen Hurd got sniped on me, so I didn't get him. But uh, look forward to competing with you guys there. And uh, it was just a pleasure today, Tags. I'm going to definitely – you're on that Twitter list of mine where there's just some solid group of professionals out there pumping out some solid content and just filtering out the Twitter noise. Keep doing what you're doing, man. We appreciate it having you today. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at DynastyTheoryFF. And as always, stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a great day.